Hey, it's Claire and Becca, and welcome back to Golden Hour Podcast. Today, we are joined by Nia Augustine. Nia is a first-generation college student at the University of Virginia and an advocate for polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS. Nia hosts yoga and meditation classes called Yoga for All Bodies, designed to welcome people of all shapes, sizes, and abilities, as well as facilitates a student support group through UVA's GYN department, and hopes to one day work on changing how healthcare is delivered in underrepresented communities. We are going to talk quite a bit about Nia's symptoms and how she manages them with things like yoga, meditation, and nutrition. However, this episode is not designed to offer any medical advice or provide you with information to self-diagnose. We brought Nia on to share her own personal experiences with PCOS and share her passions for things like health, fitness, yoga, and meditation. So, with that said, welcome Nia. We are super excited to have you on with us today. And we're going to get started by asking you to tell us a little bit about PCOS in general before we dive into your own personal experiences. So what is polycystic ovarian syndrome? Yeah, that's a lengthy question and a question that I do a lot of research on just because PCOS is something that people are still trying to figure out. But to give you a quick synopsis of what it is, According to Women's Health, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome is dealing with the reproductive hormones and one in 10 women in the United States of reproductive age, so from 14 to 41, are diagnosed with PCOS and most are in minority communities and there isn't a cure for PCOS. So it's kind of like you have it and you have to deal with it. So some of the common symptoms of PCOS um, are abnormal periods, excessive hair growth in areas where men tend to get hair. So under your chin, over that beard area right here, your stomach, y'all, the hair just keeps growing, okay? (laughs) And some other things that people tend to have are infertility and the chances of having um, metabolic disorders such as diabetes are higher in populations that have polycystic ovarian syndrome. That's a little bit about what PCOS is. I know that was like really lengthy, but. Yeah, I know that was helpful. Um, So what has your experience been like with your specific diagnosis and what symptoms do you struggle with? So I remember when I was first diagnosed, the summer of my third year, I went to student health, you know, regular like checkup, like blood work, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like telling my gynecologist that like, I was having irregular periods. Like I remember I had a time period where three months went by and I did not get a period. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, "Hmm." I mean, this is not like not normal for me because throughout high school, I had irregular periods. I was at college. Oh, it's normal. But then I decided to realize that I was breaking out more, that I was being more moodier and my relationship with food was extremely distorted. So I decided, you know what, let me just go to a gynecologist, kind of like figure out, maybe even get on birth control and kind of figure out like, how can I regulate my period? And that's when I got my blood work done. And my gynecologist told me, you have very low levels of progesterone. You might have PCOS. And the craziest thing too about PCOS is that there isn't a specific test that's going to be like, oh yeah, you are positive for PCOS or you're negative for PCOS. It doesn't work like that, sadly. So my first experience with it was with my um, gynecologist as student health. And then the next step was, I'm going to prescribe you birth control. And I think that is a stigma in the um, PCOS community is that when we first get PCOS, the automatic thing for healthcare professionals to do is to be like, 
okay, well, I'll give you progesterone since your levels are so low. What about the psychological and the mental component of PCOS that we have to battle with daily? And some of the symptoms that I struggle with are irregular periods, acne, um, depression, and other health disorders are some of the things that I struggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned birth control as kind of being that one size fits all kind of default. Um, so how do you manage other symptoms that you might experience? That's a great question. And I manage my other symptoms by doing meditation, by doing yoga, by honestly sleeping, by working out. And the reasons why I do these specific activities is to relax my body and relax my mind. Mm-hmm. Just, because, just because normally my hormones are just raging all the time. <laughs> and by doing these specific tasks, I'm able to you know, re- relax my mind, relax my body and put myself at ease. And another thing that I do is I try to be mindful of the food that I put into my body. So one thing for me was like kind of decreasing the amount of gluten that I was consuming, the amount of sugar, because you remember I talked about that um, metabolic component with insulin resistance due to progesterone. So that's another aspect of it that we have to focus on. But I think all in all, you can still eat the food that you want to eat, but you just have to eat it in moderation. Mm -hmm. I'm Caribbean, y'all. I eat rice, I eat chicken, I eat cheese, I eat dairy. If you name it, I eat it. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so serious. And I remember when I was diagnosed with PCOS and I was doing like excessive research, one of the things was you can't eat dairy. You can't have, you can't have too much gluten. And I'm just like, but you're stopping me from experiencing my culture. You're disconnecting me from my people. And that's when I knew that I had to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, we're going to start with, you mentioned yoga first. So we'll start with yoga and then we'll talk a little bit more about nutrition. So yoga and meditation is hard. Claire and I tried to do <laughs> yoga classes pre-COVID. So almost two, two springs ago, one spring semester, we were like, it's off season. We're going to go do hot yoga like three times a week. No, it was hard. <laughs> we were we showed up, we showed up in our cute outfits. We took a little yoga snap. And then once it started, oof, it was, it was, hard. there was this, it was hard. Man. I've never seen a, someone more flexible like that in my whole life. This man was upside down, inside out, all that. So yoga is hard. It's no joke. And I feel like it's kind of one of those things that's like, oh, you know, skinny moms go to yoga class or they drop their kids off at private school and like keep it pushing. But there's a lot more, <laughs> there's a lot more to it than just like, um, flexible. So can you walk us through your individual yoga journey and meditation too? I know you're big into that. So tell us a little bit more about those things. Yeah, um, that's another great question. Y'all are killing it with the great questions. <laughs> I love it here. Um, so my first introduction to yoga and meditation was actually at UVA. I took this class first year, um, first semester. It was titled The Art and Science of Human Flourishing, Figure Out Your Purpose in Life. Yeah, I know. That's I was a lengthy excited. title for a class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just like, I don't need to take this class because I don't need to know my purpose. Like, I know my purpose already. Matter of fact, I want to be a doctor and I'm going to do this. But anyways, I sucked it up and I took the class and I learned of the importance of using yoga and meditation and other t- contemplative practices to really calm your mind and reflect on where you see yourself going and focusing on specific um, 
chambers of mindfulness, such as being interconnected, um, having compassion and being and having empathy to various groups of people. And through my introduction of that class, I automatically, I fell in love with it because I realized that when I would do the practices, I would feel better right after. It was like instantaneous results. And then I started becoming an intern at the Contemplative Sciences Center. And it's through my internship with the Contemplative Sciences Center that I was able to see different people, different bodies of people doing yoga, like having a black instructor or having a middle, a middle Eastern participant or having someone on a wheelchair meditating. It was then that I realized that yoga isn't white male white mom (laughs) yoga is for everyone yoga is for all bodies and it is because of my experience with doing yoga and uh, my experience in the contemplative sciences center and with forming one of the first student wellness groups called mind and body at uva that i realized that i wanted to brand yoga as something for all bodies of people and that's one of the reasons why i came up with um the yoga series that i've been leading on instagram called yoga for all bodies. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? How do you run that? I know you do in-person and virtual or how does that work? Yeah, so last semester I did in-person and virtual, but because COVID is rampant and we're trying to figure things out, (laughs) um, all the yoga classes have been virtual. The yoga and meditation classes have been virtual. And I've also realized that the content, my PCOS content have been getting a lot of attraction, a lot of feedback from people saying they want more of it. So I've also been posting more content on PCOS and ways that I've been dealing with it just to kind of like help people and giving them the right resources and the people to talk to, to just honestly figure it out and gain some clarity. How do you like stay motivated in a time like this? So one, staying connected with my family back home in Brooklyn. Um, I've been trying to keep that relationship alive. That's awesome. Oh, Lord. And I said that with a Southern accent. My, <laughs> my New York City friends are going to get me. Um, <laughs> they're going to be like, girl, your country now. Um, so staying connected with family and honestly, really trying to carve out time to be with friends. And I've been doing a lot of affirmations, a lot of meditations to really affirm my strength in myself and know that what I'm going through, a whole bunch of other people are going through it. And we just have to be kind with ourselves and others. So that's kind of been keeping me motivated and just continuing to practice more yoga, uh, more meditation, and honestly allowing myself to feel. Yeah. And as crazy as it sounds, sometimes sitting down and crying does a lot. Yeah, no, I think- Just letting it out. Yeah, it does. I think that's really important. Um, You mentioned carving out time. And I know like once you're inside the house, you can get in kind of like just a routine of getting out of bed, you know, doing your online classes or whatever you're doing that day and then going back into bed or or just, you know, sitting on your laptop in bed. So carving out time, I think is very, very important. And positive affirmations, you mentioned that. And I have really been on that wave lately. So I'm really glad you mentioned it. And I might have to come to you a little bit, you know, after this <laughs> to get some to get some help with that. But no, I think that's that's great. Yeah, I agree. Claire has been Claire sends me like links to all these things, like this Spotify. It's not really a podcast. It's like a audio track. It's like three minutes, but like 
these affirmations, all these things. So she's definitely gonna have to circle back to you because she asks you, then I'll get them too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But let's kind of get back on the symptom management. So I know yoga and meditation have been really big for you, but you also mentioned nutrition a little bit. So how does that play a role? How did you educate yourself about that? Because for me, up until really college, when I would hear the word nutrition, I'm just like, okay, food. There's a lot more that kind of goes into being well-informed about nutrition than just, I saw this at the grocery store, I'm going to pick it up and eat it. So how Mm. did you learn what you need to eat, what you can eat, what you can eat, balance, those kinds of things are not necessarily natural. So how did you educate yourself on that? Yeah, um, that's a great question again. And so I've done a couple of things. One, um, my major in kinesiology, it requires me to take nutrition classes. So my first introduction to to nutrition has been through academia. So I took a couple of nutrition classes and currently right now I'm taking a nutrition class for fun to kind of just honestly understand food, but understand how food treats my PCOS and how I can improve that. And another one was honestly seeing a nutritionist um, for UVA students, aimless plug, um, you can see a nutritionist through UVA that you already pay for but also for people who do not have access to those resources because healthcare um, inaccessibility is a thing. And one thing that I would use was YouTube. Mm-hmm. I would YouTube nutritionists with PCOS. Mm-hmm. And I actually, one of the people that I've done an Instagram live with, she's a nutritionist and she also deals with PCOS daily. Mm-hmm. And her name is Nourished Nutritionist on Instagram. And you can definitely check her out, use the World Wide Web and kind of like see. And of course, I'll give you guys some um, other Instagrammers mm-hmm. to follow. Yeah, um, good thing you mentioned that. We will list out all of the resources that Nia mentions throughout the episode <clears throat> in the description. So if there's anything that she says you want to find out more about, it'll all be listed um, under the description of wherever you're listening to this. Um, anyway, back to what we were just saying. You also mentioned YouTube. So how do you, I've noticed you're very active on social media. How do you leverage your own platforms, your own spaces to educate other people on things that you might not have known when you first got your diagnosis? So I actually started doing that summer of 2020 when the killing of George Floyd occurred. Um, I started using my meditation and yoga practice as a way to cope because honestly, it was a very draining time, a very traumatic time for me. And I'm sure a whole bunch of other people. So I decided, I saw the impact that my practices had on me. And I decided, well, why not make it accessible to everyone else? Because we can all use this during this time. So that's why I decided when I came back, prior to coming back on ground, of course, I worked in my practice, I reflected a little bit. And I was just like, you know what, this is something that I want to give. So that was kind of how I went about doing it and leverage as far as leveraging my social media um, presence, I've tried to be very consistent with the content that I post and keep it true to myself Mm -hmm. because I'm not coming from a place of I'm perfect. This is going to help you. No, mm -mm, mm -mm, sis, (laughs) sis, I am giving you this content because it's helped me. And I'm giving you from a place of all right, I tried this, it worked, but there's probably something else that's better. Because one thing to know about the stuff that I post about, it's not a one size fits all. Right. 
a foundation for you to start and then build off of it. Go figure out what other practice you like besides vinyasa, or if you don't maybe like restorative yoga, you want something with more breathing, you do ashanka, or you hate um, cheese, go get dairy-free cheese. Right. I don't know, it's just so many other things and I want to use my platform to bring awareness to all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that's awesome. Um, do you follow anyone else who has PCOS and uses social media in a similar fashion or do you see a lack of similar representation? Mm, okay, so I have a couple of people that I actually researched before this and they're white women, elderly women, and a couple of them are the PCOS dietitian, nourished nutritionist, that's that one friend I was telling you about, and healthy PCOS. And I've also have a couple of books called A Patient's Guide to PCOS by Walter Furtherwith, a white man, and a podcast on PCOS on Spotify and Apple on the app store. But the thing that I want to point out in all of these resources that I'm I'm giving you is that the majority of them are white people. Right. And like we said before at the beginning of the podcast, the majority of PCOS goes undiagnosed in minority communities. So one of the reasons why I decided to be to tell my story is because of the lack of representation. Mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of people who look like me giving advice on how to treat your PCOS or what exercises works best for people with PCOS. Mm -hmm. So those are one of the reasons why I was like, you know what, if that representation is not there, I'm going to be that representation for somebody else who needs it. Yeah. And I think that really impacts a lot of people. I remember in December or some point, somewhat recently, (laughs) Kiki Palmer posted on Instagram about her experience with PCOS and I think at least that was the first time I'd ever seen her without makeup. I'm pretty sure that's the first time she's ever posted on social media completely barefaced. Um, and she posted a selfie and a line from the caption says, so all the people struggling with this, please know you are not alone and that you're still so fine. And that post has over a million likes. So I think people are very receptive to that kind of content, but can be very afraid to post it of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, a million people like Kiki Palmer saying it, but are those same million people going to go the next day and post a picture of themselves with no makeup on and share what things have been kind of plaguing them their whole life so I think that's a really powerful thing that you have kind of decided to do do you think you've experienced any like pushback or like has there been any sort of bad experiences with that or would you say it's overall been something that year has been pretty good for you yeah um I feel like overall it's been a very rewarding experience for me to have um other individuals who who struggle with PCOS reach out to me and be like hey Nia I love the content that you've been putting out it's helped me so much. So I think for me, it's been overall positive. And I also want, it would be ill of me not to mention that social media creates a facade. Mm-hmm. And we all feed into this facade of perfectionism. And being vulnerable and really telling your story is hard to do. And sometimes people are not there yet. And that's okay. Because I remember a year ago, I wouldn't be sitting here with you talking about my PCOS. Mm -hmm. So it's everyone's journey. And I urge people who have PCOS to be kind to yourself and just come as it, just go with it as you start to become more comfortable and then start opening up. But no one's rushing you to go in and tell your story if you're not comfortable with doing so. Yeah, that's, I think that's really important to note in 
a couple of our episodes so far we've talked to a variety of different people in sort of different areas of life and being gentle to yourself has been something that almost everyone has said at some point or in some variation but we've also talked a lot about social media and like public pressure Mm -hmm. to do certain things and I think that can be really hard to manage especially as a younger person you know you see hey well Nia is so open about you know, her experience. Why am I so uncomfortable doing it myself? Or mm-hmm. Claire and Becca have a podcast and they talk to all these people. Why am I uncomfortable to do the same? And I think that sort of comparison is really, really common, especially with women and especially younger, sort of like our age. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't have a like point in me saying this, but I just feel like <laughs> that has been something that has been really reoccurring. And almost every guest, I think we're what, four episodes in and all four women have said basically yeah. what you just said about showing yourself that grace to be like, hey, it's okay to be in this moment wherever I am with whatever it is that I'm doing. Yeah. Right. And I, th- I think it's important to at least acknowledge that. Um, kind of keeping in line with that, um, I know you run a student support group. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that and what you do with that? Yeah. So it's called the Polycystic Ovarian Student Support Group. And it's run out of the UVA Student Health and Wellness Center's gynecology department. And essentially what happens is that we meet weekly to honestly just have a space where we have um, certain speakers. So the structure of our day, well, the hour is for the first 30 minutes, um, our registered healthcare professional comes in. So whether it be an endocrinologist or a dietitianist, a nutritionist, a nurse practitioner, some sort of healthcare professional comes in and talks to you about PCOS. And then the other half, we have a yoga, meditation, or some sort of physical activity to kind of give you more practical things that you can do on your own to deal with your PCOS. And honestly, the community of women that we've created in that group who share that common symptom of PCOS, that common um, disease, sorry, of PCOS, I think has just been phenomenal because the accountability portion is something that really stands out to me about that program is to have somebody there where it's like, hey y'all, um, I'm taking this new pill that my gynecologist prescribed to me and it's not working. And for another one of us to jump in and be like, hey, yeah, I'm actually struggling with that as well. Mm-hmm. So just having that support network of, of people to be there and encourage you along the way has been a uh, outstanding part of the polycystic ovarian student support group. Mm-hmm. That's really important. Again, we did say this at the beginning of the episode, but nothing we say is intended to help listeners diagnose themselves or, you know, well, Nia said this, so it has to be true. But how do you sort of balance that in your own experience? You know, you are speaking on a somewhat of a platform, you are around other women, you bounce sort of ideas off each other. How do you balance (laughs) that sort of one curiosity of, hey, what are you experiencing? And also comparing, you know, oh, well, this person's acne doesn't look like mine. Or how do you balance that with, the professional help that you see? Because I know you are pretty intentional about speaking to licensed nutritionists or medical professionals. So the content that you put out is well-informed and also somewhat personal. So I guess better way to ask the question, how do you balance (laughs) that well-informed sort of educated stance on what it is you're talking about and your own experience without fostering that sort of comparison or Mm. that kind of environment? Yeah, um, I think that's a great question. And that's something that I struggle with still to this day, because for me, I tend to listen to my body. And that's something that I had to grow into the hard way was when my 
gynecologist would prescribe me something and my book would tell me something else and my body would tell me a completely different story, I had to choose which one to listen to. And usually I would choose my gynecologist, the book, but recently I've begun trusting myself, trusting my body. Because if my body is rejecting the birth control pill that my gynecologist prescribed to me or not eating gluten or whatever my nutritionist is telling me to chill on is not giving me that satisfaction or not helping me mentally, that's when I have to have the autonomy and just say, you know what? I appreciate the advice that you give me that you are giving me, but I'm gonna take it upon myself and I'm gonna decide that I want to do this. Mm-hmm. So I think an important thing with whatever you're going through is to listen to your body and listen to yourself. And I think like that's where my yoga and meditation practice really comes in as well, is that I have the ability to sit down and really listen to what is going on inside and then make an informed decision. Yeah, no, it's very interesting to hear you say all this because it kind of just, I don't know, it makes me realize that everything in life ties together. Like when listening to your body, as athletes, we're always told to listen to our bodies. Um, when, you know, there's an ache or a, or a pain that we're feeling and it's like, okay, let's let's take a step back. Even if our coach or a trainer is saying, no, push through, take a step back and maybe realize what's best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's very interesting to hear that you say, you know, with, with what you're going through as well, it's about listening to your body. And I think everyone can kind of apply that to your lives and with mental health, physical pain, whatever, listen to your body. And I think that's a really important message. I agree. And it, it can be very difficult when, like you said, there's a little bit of a conflict, you're listening to how you Mm -hmm. feel, but this person you trust is saying, this is going to help you. And it doesn't. So, and I think that applies to pretty much anything, whether it's something medically related or, you know, you take a class and everyone's telling you this class can be so good for your future. Take it, take it. It's going to be so good. You enroll in it and you (laughs) take it. (laughs) Do you listen to the fact that you're uncomfortable or, well, everyone Mm -hmm. told me I should take it. So take it again. That's another thing that we've talked about a lot. The episode with my sister, she was like, she experienced that so tangibly that she was like, I don't want to be here and I'm uncomfortable and I'm putting myself in a situation where I don't feel my best and I'm just doing it because people are telling me to. Yeah. That sort of tension I think is so common and it sucks because you're like, oh, how do I, how do I respond? Like, <laughs> everyone's telling me this, but it kind of isn't helping. Like, yeah, yeah. am I gonna be the odd person out type thing? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, yeah. It's yeah. And I think that's such a good point too because I think that even ties into imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I feel so much being a Black woman, specifically a first-generation American, first-generation college student. Whenever I enter certain spaces, I feel this need to prove that I belong here. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, but I've been trying to remind myself that, hey, you worked your ass off to get here. You, you deserve this space, so own it. And I think that's one thing. And that that's with owning my PCOS, owning the mental battles that I've had that I'm trying to get over, owning my indecision and in where my future is gonna be. And just like owning all of these things that are that people or social media tries to erase to create this facade of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. So that's a great point that y'all are making. I think we could just mic drop right there. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else to add. <laughs> 
but you're so right own it like whatever it is and again I keep saying this I really don't want anyone to misconstrue the point of this this is about Nia's individual experience but it can apply to pretty much anything whatever you're going through personally whether you're in a situation whatever it is I think the lessons that you've kind of picked up on through your own experiences are really valuable to your own experience but they also teach other people so the content you put out do I struggle with the same symptoms no but some of the management techniques or the mentality that you've gained is equally as useful to me, even though I may not be experiencing the same physical things in a specific moment. So we're going to end on, on that. Own it. That's it. That's the, that's the title of the episode. Own it. We're done. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me and allowing me to use your platform to really bring awareness to something that's been affecting so many women. So I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening, and thanks again to Nia for being so open and sharing her story with us. Now, we have a little favor to ask of you guys. If you've been listening for a while and enjoying season two thus far, Claire and I kindly ask that you leave us a review or a rating. If you love us, let us know, give us five stars. If you don't, don't. But we hope to hear from you guys soon. We love you. Thanks for listening, and see you next Monday.